Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome along. Sorry about this. I, I know that it's good on podcasts to get going, get to the content quickly, but I'm, we're missing something. I can't figure out what it is. Something starts every single episode of The Writer's Routine, and I can't put my finger on it. Ah, there it is. Ridiculous coffee shop jazzes go. It's nice for a random start. Hello, welcome along. It's the Writer's Routine podcast. My name is Dan. Now, if you've ever wondered how creative people work, if you're one of those yourself, or you say you are and you're kind of struggling with it, or if you're just wondering how people who don't have a nine to five and still manage to make actual money get away with it, well, this is the show for you, right? In every episode, we're finding out how authors make time, how they find the inspiration of an idea and get the motivation to go to work and put it down on a sheet of paper. Today, we're chatting to a Czech debutante who the Hay Festival thinks could help shape the world. To start, I want to say a huge thank you if you've enjoyed the show. Uh, Maybe you've learned something that might help you take your tiny glimmer of an idea and make it into something more. uh, And you've told other people about it. If you're enjoying the series and you want to let other people know, help them get involved, the best way is to get on your iTunes account, uh, the podcast store, and leave Writer's Routine a review. It would be helpful if it was a nice one. It's how it all works. And it would be lovely if you gave us five stars too. Because if you want to hear more insights, secrets and tips from some of your favourite authors, that is the best way. Get on the iTunes podcast store, find Writer's Routine and leave us a review. Our guest on the Writer's Routine this week is Yaroslav Kalfa. Uh, He's a Czech author and he moved to Florida when he was about 15. While he was there, he had like a tiny kernel of an idea. With that, he wrote a short story. And then years later, at university, he turned that short story into a proper, full-blown, multi-thousand-word novel. It's been released to huge acclaim as well. It's called Spaceman of Bohemia. It's about a Czech astronaut who's sent uh, on a mission uh, to the stars that he's probably never going to return from. And while he's up there, his marriage starts to fail. He thinks he's going crazy, and he meets like a weird cosmological alien spider kind of thing yeah we'll talk a bit more about that in a little bit with him uh, yeah it's been released everyone's loving it so far in fact earlier this year the hay festival selected him as one of 30 people they think could change the world also remember our distinguished diaries feature is on the way this week it's a civil rights activist who had such a busy life 
that she released seven autobiographies. She even rented a special room in a hotel to write them as well. That's on the way in a bit. First, let's get to Yaroslav Kalfar and find out where he sits down to work. So I see my very long desk, my very empty desk. I have to keep my desk completely clear of, of any clutter. Um, and I see all of my books. Uh, my bookshelves are right in front of me. Uh, so I can sort of be reminded of all the all those who came before me. Um, and I see two windows, which uh, lead two big windows, which lead into the street. Um, where if I wasn't working, I would be people watching, uh, you know, letting the sun shine in. But when I'm writing, I keep it, I keep them shut. Uh, I keep myself shut away from the people. So uh, two blacked out windows. So this is in your, your apartment in New York? In my apartment in New York. Uh, do you mind me asking how many rooms you've got in the apartment? I have uh, four rooms. Uh, it's what's called a railroad apartment, which means it's four sort of four rooms in a row. Uh, and uh, the biggest room is sort of my, my study where I, uh, where I get the work done. Do you try and stick to the nine to five to make it feel like you've got a regular job or do you just write when the muse takes you? Sort of. I, I sort of break it up. Um, I uh, I write as soon as I wake up, which is usually around 10.30 in the morning. Um, and I get maybe two hours in. Uh, and I like those two hours because uh, when the brain's not really fully awake yet, it comes out with some interesting uh, weird stuff uh, sometimes. So... Uh, and then after those couple of hours, I go to the gym to sort of, you know, get the blood pumping a little bit. Um, and when I come back, um, I usually um, see some friends, go outside, take a walk, get some, do, uh, run some errands. And then uh, when I return in the late afternoon or in the evening, um, uh, then I sort of ride into the night. So I get those couple of hours in the morning and then I get maybe another five six seven hours uh, depending how well it's going at night what time do you tend to keep writing till at night uh usually about two thirty a.m um and then i settle down with a book so i can sort of call myself and you know try to go to sleep uh, what do you think is your most productive time that the two hours at the start of the day or that seven hours at night when you're really cracking through it I think it might be the first two hours and then the last two hours when I'm just so sort of uh, mentally exhausted that once again the brain sort of comes up with some really weird things uh, that you know tend to sort of break through the mold of the writing. Uh, are you strict with with how much you're trying to write? Do you write until you've got your limit? I have to I have to get a thousand done a day. That's 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 my bare minimum. Uh, sometimes it's excruciating um, and I just barely make it and I have to sort of fill it in. Um, and other days, I can manage three, four, five thousand words, no problem. So it really varies. But the bad days are a majority when I know that most of what I'm writing I'll be throwing away. Um, but the, the good days, when I know it's going really great and I'm sort of moving forward, uh, they're worth it. The good days are worth it because yes. I've, I've read a fellow countryman, uh, uh, Kafka, mm -hmm. his diaries on, on him writing mm -hmm. were just torturous. I mean, you mm -hmm. would never pick up a pen in your life if, <laughs> if you had read that first. Are the bad days truly that bad? Uh, well, they're not as bad as Kafka's, but Kafka was also very generally a very unhappy person and maybe a little bit whiny, just a little bit. Um, so they're definitely not that bad. They're not excruciating. They're, I think it's sort of the, uh, the pain of the wasted labor when you, when you spend eight hours uh, working on something during a day and you know as you do it, as you get it down, you know that you're going to throw it all away because it's all nonsense. It happens slowly and gradually. It's not sort of a uh, light bulb going on kind of thing. Um, but essentially, uh, 
It started before I moved to New York, um, and I was sort of um, I was uh, in kind of a, a bad place, um, and I was thinking about loneliness a lot. Um, and that's when sort of this this character of this spaceman occurred to me, this person who is completely isolated and away from everything, and not just uh, the people he knows, but the basic comforts we take for granted here on Earth. Um, and I wanted to see how can I make his situation even more complicated and even more isolated and lonely. Um, and thus I wrote this short story about uh, an American astronaut whose wife divorces him while he's uh, in space. Um, so that is sort of the, the seed for the book. But that was so 13 years in, in the making. I mean, so you left Prague when you were 15? That is correct. H- how did you possibly know that what I've got here in front of me was the best version of what it could be? I wrote the sort of majority of the book, the first, the first uh, draft, if you will. Um, I wrote it while I was um, uh, enrolled in the creative writing program at NYU. Um, and uh, I sort of went into the program with this short story. And I knew that I wanted a novel. But the problem was I wanted to write my first novel about the Czech Republic, about the Czech history. I sort of wanted to reintroduce the Czech Republic to the world as is. But at the same time, I really didn't want to let go of this uh, astronaut character. I wanted to see you know, what, happened, what, what happens to him, what's his story. Um, and then uh, while I was in the program, the two ideas sort of merged and the, Czech, the American astronaut became Czech. And uh, I was very determined that within those two years of the program, I had to have a first draft. So if, if I was to lock myself away from all the pleasures and wonders of New York City and just sit in a room and get it done, I was going to get it done. So I did. Did you do a lot of rigorous planning? You know exactly what was happening in this chapter, then in this chapter. Or did you just sit down with your fingers? Were you working at a keyboard? Were you writing with a pen? Uh, I write on a computer exclusively. <laughs> what computer is it? Uh, it's a Mac. Okay. Uh, you, uh, are you, are you, MacBook Air. So, yeah, how rigorously did you plan this? Because I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, there was a, a, vi- a picture went viral recently of J.K. Rowling, I think when she was doing Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Have you seen this huge A3 bit of paper? And she had the, the, all the storylines that she had to kind of keep going, each chapter. This is what's happening in this storyline in this chapter. And it's, I mean, this thing is, is bigger than the whole Bible, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. How planned uh, was your book when you were writing it? I am not much of an outliner. I'm not much of a planner. Um, I, t- I, t- I take the biggest pleasure while writing from the surprises that come from it. And so uh, there, there was a quote by Hitchcock. It's something along the lines of uh, when he closed his eyes, he could see, he could see the whole movie. He, he could picture the whole movie that he was making. Um, and somebody else said, um, why would you make the movie if you've already seen it? It's the sort of sitting, sitting alone in a room and talking to myself and talking to the characters and uh, deciding uh, what kinds of things have to happen for them. Uh, that really brings me that really makes writing something I like to do and how surprised Um, are you then at what your fingers do is it a complete surprise to you uh, very often yes very often it's a nice shock but it's the kind of thing where I will sit in I will sit in that room all day and and try to figure out sort of what happens next uh, what is the sort of right uh, right turn for these characters and I come up with nothing and then I'll be sitting uh, on the couch watching TV or I'll be at a bar with friends or I'll be sleeping it'll be 5am and all of a sudden I wake up and I start laughing because all of a sudden out of nowhere it comes to me well, and what do you do then so when you've had this spark of an idea when you're walking down the road do you jot it down have you got like a little black book or do you just kind of 
hope you remember it later on yes i so i I try my best to keep my uh, notebook by me at all times but sometimes of course uh, i fail so actually my lately my cell phone has been my savior um i have i have maybe uh two thousand of those little memos uh you know (laughs) i have so many of those uh so maybe once a week i go through it all and sort of clear it out and and take these little notes that i've made and turn them into sort of bigger ideas do you ever find yourself looking at a note and you're i don't have a clue what this is going. Yep. <laughs> that's those that's those uh, bar notes or those 5am notes we're back with Yaroslav Kalfar in just a bit uh, where we'll find out the timeline of getting a book into publication and then finally into stores so you can buy it and we'll also talk about his strange fascination with bacon stay right there though we will learn about the daily ritual of Maya Angelo in just a sec Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Time for Distinguished Diaries, then. It's the part of the show where we look at a weird and wonderful writing routine from history. This week, it's Maya Angelou. Now, Maya was a poet, a writer, an actor, a director, a producer, a civil rights activist who worked with Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Uh, When she was young, right, she was a cook, a dancer, a sex worker, a journalist, and her incredibly busy, uh, vibrant and lived life prompted her to write seven autobiographies. The first is called I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, and it brought her international acclaim, right? And to get all that done, she knew she couldn't do it at home. So she kept a tiny, cramped hotel room to do the work in. She would wake up every day at 5.30, grab a quick coffee with her husband, uh, and then at 6.30, they'd both go to work. Only hers was in a hotel room just round the corner. In there, she had a dictionary, a Bible, some playing cards if she got bored. If she got seriously bored, there was a bottle of sherry in there too. It's a bit of a strange drink to have when you realise that she got to work at 7 in the morning and she usually left by about 12.30. 
Occasionally, if the work was really going well, she would stay for as long as it was really going well. You see, throughout all these historical diaries that we do in the show, uh, you do get to learn that discipline and consistency is key. Getting it down, your story down, your words on paper is the most important thing. No matter if you need to chuck out later, uh, ideas always form more ideas. Then when she was back from work, she'd do life admin to put the writing out of her mind, and it would stay out there until later that night, after dinner, when she would read her work back to her husband. Get this, she didn't care what he had to say. She wouldn't pay any attention to any opinions he had on the writing, and he was wise, knew this, he didn't comment at all. She says that rather tellingly. He didn't comment. She only ever invited opinions from her editor, but she enjoyed hearing it out loud, that's why she read it to him, and to understand what she needed to change the next day. Also, apparently, how hard she worked had physical effects as well as mental ones. Her back would go out, her knees would swell up, her eyelids would puff too. These were all like manifestations of how hard she was pushing herself. She knew that she was compulsive, and it gave her great pain... But she kept on doing it. Maybe as someone who wrote all those autobiographies, poems and everything else, you kind of learn that pushing yourself hard is the only thing to do. We will have another strange schedule, you could say, uh, next week with more from Distinguished Diaries. The research, by the way, uh, as always pretty much, was taken from Mason Curry's brilliant book Daily Rituals, which I need to credit every week because it seriously is so amazing. Right, back to our guest, Yaroslav Kalfar, the Czech author behind Spaceman of Bohemia. And now he can take us through how he turned an initial tiny germ of an idea into a full-blown novel. Short story, the, the seed, the story begins. Um, it took me about uh, maybe six months to figure out, uh, oh, this, this astronaut should be Czech, and thus all of my problems are solved, or thus all of my problems begin. Um, and then uh, two years uh, until my first draft. Uh, of course, I was uh, enrolled in the creative writing program, so I, I got a lot of uh, feedback from colleagues, from other writers, from professors. And at this point, were you were you doing your two hours in the morning, seven hours at night? No, I was not yet disciplined because you know uh, I was new to New York. Uh, I was exploring the city, uh, making new friends, seeing new places. So there was a lot of brand new New York lifestyle. Then about getting my ducks in a row but unfortunately the second year i realized i only have a year to have a manuscript on my hands if i were to live up to my own promise to myself um and so after that i sort of began experimenting with what kind of routines what kind of systems i would have and initially i was trying the nine to five monday through friday uh, but then i realized um it's not really it's really no way to live a life so (laughs) what's your ultimate aim as an author, this is your debut novel. Is it to be prolific? Uh, someone like Stephen King, you know, who cracks out two books a year. Or would you prefer to be someone like Harper Lee, known for one world-changing piece of fiction? And those are the only two choices. No, you can throw in your own choices if you fancy. No, it's okay. I'll, I'll play. I'll play. <laughs> um, I would have to go with the Harper Lee option, I think. Because having one book that was so groundbreaking, not only uh, within the field of literature, but so cultural important. Um, and so sort of, I don't want to say world-changing because uh, that's that's a longer conversation, but just such an important book. I think uh, one of those I would be happy with in a, in a lifetime. Stephen King or Harper Lee? 
no, I mean having one of those uh, one of those life changing uh, or world changing books in a way. I'm getting that you're not the biggest Stephen King fan. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I do like Stephen King a lot, not necessarily for his fiction, but for his uh, memoir on writing, which I think is one of the greatest books uh, written about writing ever. Loads of authors say that mm-hmm. that it's it, it's like as soon as you decide to be one and that you're not going to have your regular nine to five day, it's like it just appears through your letterbox like a letter from Hogwarts. <laughs> Seriously. It's, 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 it's very true. So true. What was the first story you ever sat down to write? So I was maybe uh, six, seven, somewhere around there. Um, I was a big fan of X-Files. And I wrote uh, essentially fan fiction for X-Files. Uh, it was a story about two um, Czech agents who were uh, investigating UFO appearances uh, in the countryside. Um I mean, I don't remember the length. Um, I do remember that I wrote it on construction paper with a pencil. And I definitely remember that I was still sort of, instead of writing the words as one as one might as an adult, I was sort of drawing them instead. So I think w- when we talk about sort of the timeline of writing something, uh, it probably felt like I was writing it for, you know, for years and years and years. But really, I maybe had t- two solid pages on my hands. Did you think at all uh, about length when you were writing Spaceman of Bohemia? Is, is it, Were you for want of a better phrase were you trying to pad out a little bit adding words here and there just because you thought this needs to be longer than it is Mm. i actually uh, it was sort of the other way around i um i thought it was going to end up being uh far too long um considering that i was combining uh czech history and sort of all these scenes from the past uh with this sort of epic space journey um I thought I was going to have maybe 500, 600 pages on my hand. But as I was, as I was writing, uh, I realized that Jakub's story, uh, the spaceman's story, is actually quite simple. Um, and it doesn't need um, any of that. So, um, yeah, it was the other way around. At the beginning, I was worried about the length. Uh, but then it ended up being sort of, uh, I think, a, a, a nicely, uh, nicely sized novel. Talk to me about the deliciousness of bacon. Bacon is a big theme in the book. Um, uh, because theme. bacon <laughs> is a theme. It's a big theme. It stands in for pleasure. Um, the sort of the ultimate, the ultimate simplest human pleasures. Um, Jakub, uh, before he leaves uh, Earth, he sort of commits uh, a sin against his uh, marriage with Lenka. Uh, she's a big fan of breakfast, uh, and she makes him bacon uh, a few days before he is set to sort of soar to space, and he rejects it. And so as he's sort of isolated in space, uh, you know, uh, overthinking every possible thing he could overthink, uh, he sort of keeps coming back to this sort of violation of ritual of breakfast and this sort of rejection of something as um, delicious as bacon. And he sort of swears to all the gods in all the languages that uh, where he offered bacon again ever in his life, he would take all of it always. So what came first when you were thinking about that as a theme was it uh, th- that you wanted the idea of, of bacon being in there that, that Jacob loves his bacon and, and it was going to be a, a tie home to his wife or did you think I want a theme of pleasure to be in there with loneliness what's the most simple human pleasure they like their bacon what came first probably the theme I was thinking about rituals uh, I was thinking about um, sort of uh, because this is a book about uh, relationships and about this one relationship in particular as much as anything else uh, and so I was sort of thinking what does what does any romantic relationship marriage uh, consist of and it's a series of rituals really 
um, when it comes down to the sort of uh, daily cohabitation. And I was thinking, what is the sort of uh, most common ritual? What is the most common experience for most couples? Breakfast. You have breakfast together in the morning before you sort of go off into the world and, you know, do whatever it is you do on your own. Um, and to me, breakfast equals bacon. No way around it. Did that require intense thought? Yes, yes. But again, uh, as as most of the ideas uh, in the book, um, it sort of is a result of uh, sitting in a room um, and thinking intensely. What is what is the thing that needs to happen? What is sort of what is the ritual that is the right ritual for this? Um, and coming up with nothing, coming up with just uh, a notebook full of doodles, um, and then the next day. Um, you know, at the gym or just walking around or trying to go to sleep, uh, the idea hits. I, I don't need Stephen King's memoir to tell me that uh, all all authors say write what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is your this is your debut novel. So, how much of it is um, uh, autobiographical? Um, not much. Um, Let's say that um, when I was thinking about uh, if I were isolated, uh, if I were completely alone, uh, if I were away from everything I know, uh, what would be my biggest fears and what, what, would, what would be my biggest comforts? Um, and so if we're talking about sort of uh, biographical editions, uh, um, I think that's where uh, Jakub's story is closest to my own because a lot of the fears uh, that he that he feels in the book, a lot of the concerns, and a lot of the comforts uh, that he takes with him with him to space, uh, a lot of the thoughts that give him comfort um, are also uh, familiar to me. This character would have stayed with you for what all in, as we said, like fourteen years. Was it hard to switch off? his thoughts and the way he speaks when you'd finished writing the book was it hard to turn that tap off in your brain well it's interesting no it was not but it was kind of hard not to um not to be talking to hanush who is the alien spider character in the book not to be talking to him uh sort of uh on a daily basis uh, as i had gotten used to when i was writing the book uh talk to me about hanush then where does he come from in space well, uh, I don't want to spoil too much. Um, he essentially he is a um, uh, he's a traveler. He's a philosopher. Uh, he he loves food and he's extremely curious. Uh, he's uh, essentially the ultimate innocent uh, being in the book, who is just curious about everything and he desperately wants to understand humans, um, and he wants to understand our contradictions. Uh, contradictions like uh, why do we fear things that are inevitable. Um, why do we love each other? Um, and it was, I, I sort of, I, I fell in love with his uh, curiosity um, and the way he asks questions and the way, he, the way he inquires about things very early on to the point where sometimes uh, I was sort of asking questions from his perspective. Why a giant space spider though? Why a spider? Why mm-hmm. not any other creature? Well, uh when I was little, I spent a lot of time um, at my grandparents' uh, house uh, out in the country in the Czech Republic, and um, they had a lot of spiders, uh, a lot of uh, daddy long legs um, in the house. And the spiders would just sort of be there on the ceiling, on their webs, looking down at us, watching us. It seemed to me they were very wise. 
Like they were sort of judging us, uh, trying to make a decision about us, what they think. So when I was uh, sort of thinking about this uh, extremely curious being, this extremely uh, this extremely wise, curious being, uh, as sort of the form of the spider was the first thing that came to me. There you go. Massive thank you to Yaroslav Kalfar. His book, Spaceman of Bohemia, is out right now. You really need to keep an eye on this guy. Seriously, everyone says uh, the book's amazing. He's going to be the next big thing. Even the Hay Festival, one of the world's premier literary events, thinks that he can change the world. You need to keep an eye on him. We'll be back with more Daily Rituals next week, and we'll chat to a book editor who's just had her own work published uh, so she can give us tips on getting our stuff out there from the inside remember if you can leave us a review on itunes and as always the email address is writersroutine at gmail.com we're on twitter as well it's at writers pod give us a follow if you fancy thank you very much in advance and we'll see you next week with another writers routine even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.